Hello, and welcome to You Philosopher. So I wanted to talk about the episode of Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Now, this is a pretty interesting episode, and uh, there's a lot to unpack, but I'll try not to uh, dawdle too much through our thoughts. But I do want to warn you that there are, of course, spoilers. So if you haven't seen the episode, I'll be giving some key stuff away. So with that, let's go ahead and dig right in. <clears throat> so the episode really, really pretty clearly plays with the idea that we don't have the free choices that we think we do, right? The episode provides us with the opportunity to kind of like choose your own adventure. And yet at the same time, we seem kind of stuck in this inability to make choices that don't eventually lead to the same problematic outcome, uh, namely murder, right? <laughs> so with that, I think that there's really two key things that come out of this episode. And one is just the issue of free will and what it means to kind of be an author of our own lives, to be able to make our own choices. And two, the issue of morality as connected to free will. <clears throat> so the first thing that kind of comes up is, is the episode kind of points out this thing that I think everyone who plays an RPG as a, like a game master knows, which is that um, you can give people choices without them really having choices. In other words, um, game masters, you know, they'll have a specific plot. They'll know that there's a way that the story needs to go. And yet they also need to give their players uh, the ability to make choices. <clears throat> so the difficulty therein is, is that, well, if you just kind of let the players go off in any direction, you may not have plot points for that written. You have somewhere that you need them to go. So what you do is you provide people with things that seem like choices. And so you might say, oh, okay, well, you've come, you've come to the edge of a cliff. Do you go back or do you jump off? And if your players decide to go back, well, then you say, ah, you start to turn back only to realize that there's a tiger behind you uh, blocking your path. And so the players feel like they have a choice when in reality they were going to jump. That's just the way that that was going to go. And so the episode plays with that and um, kind of seems to force feed us that a bit. And it's what we call fatalism. The idea that we are in fact fated. So one of the, the first things that kind of just comes out of the episode is, are we just kind of fated to go in a particular direction? That we have no choice and that um, even though it appears that we have choices, even if we were to take a different path, we would still end up doing that thing anyways. So the... I, I, I think of that as the Luke Skywalker effect. You know, like Luke is told that he's going to have to face Darth Vader again. You have to face Darth Vader again. No, I don't want to. And he runs away to Bespin or something like that, uh, but then ends up having to face Vader anyways. There's Vader at Bespin waiting for him. So this idea of you're fated. So you can try and go this way or that way or that way. You can try and go any direction you want, but you're still going to end up having to face Lord Vader. So Bandersnatch at first seems to be an episode that says, yes, here's what it's like um, to engage in fatalism. And they kind of even embed Netflix in it. Right. So like we've written this story for you and you can't really escape it. Um, 
And that's kind of, some of us may walk away from the episode going, oh, well, that, isn't that kind of the story of our lives, right? That we are in fact fated and we don't have the choices that we think um, that, we, that we have and that no matter what these particular things come to pass. I think, however, the episode actually rejects fatalism. It's just a little subtle. I think it rejects the idea that our choices um, don't matter. And the reason why I think it does this is because notice, what happens with the episode is, is that we actually are given a series of potential different endings. It's just a lot of us, if not most of us, are not content with those endings. So you can either end it there or you can go back. But this is important. The only way to change the ending is to go back. There's no way to go forward with, without having things um, be the way that they're set now. So the only way to, to change the end is to go back and change the past. And in fact, the episode gives us plenty of opportunities just to kind of be content with the ending that we have. Um, we could choose to be content with our protagonist just there in prison. We could end it there. Uh, we could be content with that kind of neat show within a show where they show us the Netflix designer being the person who creates the show. And so you're kind of reflecting in on itself and Netflix has kind of grabbed you into a story within a story as you're now the participant and the protagonist. You could have ended it there. That's a cool place to end. You know, really the place that I like ending it was the ending where the main character chooses to go back and be on the train with his mother when she dies. Um, we could choose any of those endings. But... Many of us are like, oh, I don't know, let me, let me go back and see if I can change what happens. And that isn't fatalism. However, it doesn't help because we're still screwed. <laughs> because what it actually ends up being is determinism. So fatalism is the idea that no matter what we do, a particular end is going to come to pass. But the episode doesn't seem to do that because it seems to show us if you do this, 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 and this, these lead to a particular event. And the only way to not have that ending is to go back in the past and change something over here, what song you chose or something like that. So what it's really showing is like a series of dominoes falling, but each one of these events leads to another event. And the only way to change the end is to change the past. Well, fatalism says that this ending will happen no matter what you do. But determinism says this end happens because of what you do. And if you want a different ending, you've got to go back and change the past. Because the past is what causes the present. The, the past is what causes the future. Now, some of you are likely to, to reject this and go, wait a minute. No, because fatalism is obviously the case, at least to some degree there, Nick. Um, because of things like death, right? Death is fated. Death is not determined, right? In other words, no matter what I do, I'm going to die. You know, I can exercise as much as I want. I can drink all the water that I can, but at the end of the day, I'm going to die, right? So fate, done. That's it. You know, checkmate, the philosopher loses. <laughs> but if you think about it, our deaths aren't fated. Our deaths are instead the inevitable, inevitable, uh, uh, results of the things that we choose to do. In other words, there's many different ways that I can die. 
we use death as kind of this amorphous generality, like we're all going to die, but we're not all going to die of heart attacks. We're not all going to die being hit by buses. We're not all going to die of skin cancer, right? So if my death is a result, uh, is caused by skin cancer, well, it's probably because I spent too much time on the beach without sunblock when I was 16. And if it's, uh, th my death is instead the result of a heart attack, well, then it's probably the result of my eating the Baconator in, you know, in my 30s, right? Um, if it's the result of uh, my being hit by a bus, well, then it's because I crossed the street at a poorly timed moment. So in other words, whilst the general notion of my death is an inevitability, which particular death I end up with is in fact the result of a series of causal events. And so... It's not so much that our death is faded. It's just that there's so many different ways that I can die that it's going to happen, <laughs> right? The math just isn't on my side. I mean, there might be like one small possibility that maybe if I live long enough, I can upload my consciousness into a machine, you know, or something like that. But given the fact that even my own chromosomes are working against me, like there will be an inevitable, you know, the sun explodes. So even if my compute, even if my consciousness has been uploaded into a computer, that's when I die. So it feels like fate when in fact, it's actually just the direct result of a series of dominoes falling, right? Or billiard balls being hit on the table. So what the episode seems to be suggesting is a really key idea, which is, is that if you, if you want to change present events, then you have to go and change past events, which is still a huge problem for freedom of the will, right? Because we tend to feel like, well, I have to have free will because if I don't have free will, then I'm not making choices. My choices are forced like by some Netflix, you know, TV game designer, but we do make choices and those choices do affect things, right? And if I had made a different choice, then something different would be happening. So surely I must be free. But if by free will, if what we mean by free will is, is that we could have chosen the other event, we could have chosen the other ending without changing the causes, without changing the past, it seems like we don't have that. What I mean is when we look at a choice, we think I'm, I'm going to go to the ice cream shop and I'm going to get chocolate or vanilla, right? Um, well, we think that I legitimately have the choice between chocolate or vanilla. So I go there and think, well, I like chocolate. I'm going to, I'm going to go get some chocolate. Done. Problem solved. Free will. I could have gotten the vanilla, but I didn't. But the problem is, is the fact that I chose the chocolate is the result of a series of previous and past events that are beyond my control. In other words, I would never have chosen chocolate had I not been like introduced to chocolate at some point in time in my life. And it's entirely possible that you could have someone who's never had chocolate, then brought to a country that offers chocolate and say, hey, what kind of ice cream do you like? Do you want chocolate? And they say, well, that kind of looks gross and brown. I'm not gonna have that. And so they choose not to have the chocolate and they feel like it's a completely free choice, but had, their past been different. Had they been introduced to chocolate when they were children, they'd have no problem with it and in fact would have chosen that. So I kind of think of it as like the Adolf Hitler <laughs> effect, right? So, well, it is entirely possible that World War II could not have happened or, or would have happened, but in a very different way. 
But the only way to make World War II like not happen or have it happen in a different way is basically have Adolf Hitler not do the things that he did that results in World War II happening the way that it did, right? So we look at it like, okay, you've got a path and then you've got a choice. You can go this way or you can go that way, right? World War II happens or World War II doesn't happen. But if you think about it, really, the only way to make World War II not happen is to go back in the past and create a different past. A past, say, in which uh, Adolf Hitler is accepted into art school. So you go into the past, Adolf Hitler is accepted into art school, and because of that, he lives a happy, healthy life and never never chooses to become a, 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 an evil, dictatorial, fascist monster, right? And in that universe, World War II doesn't happen or it happens in a radically different way. But notice the only way to make that happen is to go back into the past, and here's why we're pretty shafted. Because we lack that ability to go back into the past. If the present is caused by the past, and I think we all agree it does, and we can't change the past, then we can't change the present, and thusly we can't change the future. It's kind of like right now I'm giving this talk because I saw Bandersnatch. Had I not seen Bandersnatch, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And I saw Bandersnatch because I had people introduce me to, to Black Mirror, right? And people introduced me to Black Mirror because... You know, they met me because I moved to Jacksonville and I moved to Jacksonville because uh, I liked UNF and stuff like that. So had those events not taken place, we wouldn't be doing this right now. We wouldn't be having this conversation. So, yeah, it's possible that I could have chosen not to have this conversation with you. But the only way that that would happen is if we went back in the past and make it so that I didn't see the episode or something like that. So since we can't change the past, we can't change our present. And since our present causes the future, we can't change our future. In other words, our future is still locked in, not faded. In other words, faded, if faded means it's going to happen no matter what we do. Well, I don't, I don't have this conversation with you no matter what. No, I have this conversation with you because of the past. Had there been a different past, we don't have this conversation. So I'm still locked in. The choices I'm going to make are even theoretically predictable in, in the same way that you can predict which way dominoes are going to fall if we have enough information. The problem is we usually don't have enough information, so it seems like the choices really could have gone one way or the other. But if you think about it, like with the ice cream example, everyone who knows me knows that if I go into an ice cream parlor, right, and if, if I'm going to get a kind of ice cream, it's going to be chocolate. And they say, well, I can, I can predict that fact, given that I know these things about Nick. Now, you might say, that's ridiculous. I'm going to prove you wrong. The next time I go to an ice cream parlor, <clears throat> I'm not going to get the chocolate, which is what I normally would have gotten. I'm going to use my free will, ha, 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 and I'm going to get vanilla. And you're going to teach me a lesson thereby. But think about it. You wouldn't have gotten the vanilla if you hadn't had this irritating conversation with me in the first place. So the only reason why you're getting the vanilla is because we had this conversation. And so the only way to change the fact that you got... Now you might say, well, no, I'm going to get the chocolate instead. But then the only reason why you're getting the chocolate is because I pointed out that you're getting vanilla because we had the conversation. So you're stuck. <laughs> and so what this leads to then is the second major concern of the episode, which is the issue of murder, right? Really what they're pointing out is the issue of morality. If you're in fact kind of locked in, if the things that you do are all the result of the past, right? So why do I kill this person? I kill this person because I was beaten with a hose as a child. So I become a mass murderer because of that. You change that, I don't become a mass murderer. So how am I even really truly responsible? 
And people get really upset. They're like, no, this person is responsible. I made the choice not to become a mass murderer. They made a choice to become a mass murderer. They should be punished. I should be rewarded because these are free choices. Chocolate, vanilla. I chose the not being an evil murdering monster. Well, the problem is there really is an issue insofar as you realize like if we're not really free, insofar as the things that we do are caused by our past and we can't change our past so we can't change the things that are going to happen because of the past, well then everything that we do is in fact trapped. And so how can you say that, well, you should have done otherwise when it's not actually possible? Like you shouldn't have murdered that person. Well, the only way I could have not murdered that person is for me not to have been beaten as a child. So thusly, that's the case. Now, keep in mind, very briefly, some people want to say, well, maybe I was beaten as a kid. You don't see me becoming a murderer, right? But obviously, there's a whole bunch of other different variables to change, too. In other words, you can think about it along the lines of, well, what kind of stuff about you would we have to change for you to become a mass murderer? Well, maybe we change your ge genetics. Maybe we change some brain structural things. Like, we put you in these different situations until you do, just like the episode Bandersnatch seems to suggest until inevitably enough stuff in your past has been changed that you do become a mass murderer. So people get upset because they're like, well, look, so basically what Nick's saying is, is that we're all just not responsible for anything and we can just do whatever we want. Well, first of all, we're, we're always going to kind of do what we want, right? Because that's the nature of the dominoes falling. That's the nature of the past causing the future. But in terms of like, are we just suddenly going to throw morality up in the air. Well, what's funny about that is, is what if we made the argument that in fact our belief in free will as we have it is actually why we have as many people in prison as we do. And by that, what I mean is, is if you think about it, particularly here in the States, we have this very strong idea of free will. Like everyone does everything on their own. I, I'm a self-made man, right? You become self-made people, right? We just do it on our own. And that to me seems a little strange, by the way, like the idea that someone could be like a self-made millionaire. Well, I mean, didn't you have people who helped you? What about your teachers? What about your uh, employees? Like, weren't there people to help support you? And I point that out and people get really upset. They'll be like, no, I did this on my own. You know, like, Parents, no, my parents didn't help me. Grandparents, no one, no one helped me. I did it by myself. And that's really like important to us that we have like the sole responsibility for the, the good that we've accomplished. But if you think about it, that that's a little bit strange because it really seems to suggest that nobody else has ever impacted us in such a way that it actually helped us get where we were. You know, no teacher, no mentor, no friend, <clears throat> no loved one. No, no employee, no investors, no partners in investment, right? Nobody. Well, if instead you kind of look at it from, well, we do what we do because of the things that impact us and lead us on certain paths. Um, well, then you have a very different perspective on things like criminal justice. Because from our perspective, everyone who's in prison deserves to be there. They made a choice. They did it by themselves. Let them rot. And... What we don't do is we don't seem to think, well, you know, there's a direct correlation between like education and people end up ending up um, in prison. And there's a direct correlation between things like being hungry and ending up in prison. And so if if we did things like had a really, really robust educational system and, you know, made sure everybody had food, we'd have far fewer people in prison. 
and what that makes me think is, is like, well, maybe I should look at people in prison and kind of go, part of the reason why they're there is, is because I choose not to help. Part of the reason why they're there is because, you know, when I'm given the opportunity to vote for taxes that help improve education, I'm like, nah, I don't want to pay more taxes. And the, 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 so I push my domino and it results, right? And that domino falling in that particular way. So am I not in part responsible? And that really upsets people. Right. Because we're like, no, I made my choice not to be this person. They made their choice to be that person and they deserve their punishment. And what you realize then is, is our criminal justice system really ends up not being about preventing crime because if it was about preventing crime. You would literally do everything you could. You'd set every domino you could like, OK, increased education, less crime. We're going to do that. <laughs> right. Instead, it's kind of about vengeance. It's like you made a wrong choice. I want to see you suffer. And we get a little bit of schadenfreude out of that. Like, good. You know, like you watch a TV show and you finally see like the villain get their comeuppance. You know, yeah. You know, there's a certain level of pleasure. Now, we're not allowed to really to feel pleasure in like good people suffering. So we kind of hold off on it for like the villains. So, you know, in Bandersnatch, you have this issue of kind of these inescapable murders. In fact, you start hitting the point where you're going back. I don't know about you, but this time we were like, okay, yeah. Kill that guy, move on. Like it, it starts to not matter as much, which is the worry. And another kind of example of that kind of trappedness that we don't want to engage in with our issue of, you know, free will and morality is stuff like how high recidivism is in the United States. And by that, what I mean is people, we have, we have way more of our population in prison than any other country in the world. But also we have more of our population like go back to prison. And that seems like silly. Like if prison's not a nice place to be, why would people go back? Well, if you think about it, um, we kind of make sure that people who go to prison like don't feel like they're part of the community. We tend to like not want them to vote. We tend to like really look down on them. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's not like they spend a whole lot of time there usually becoming like really well educated and feel like, no, you matter, you're an important part of the community, you made an error, and we want to help you like assimilate into community in a way that's good for you and for everybody else. We want you to know you're cared about. <laughs> we don't really want them to feel that way. Instead, you know, they come out, they have harder times finding jobs, and, and don't get me wrong, there are certain, there is some legislation and, and, and incentives for like companies to hire them, but in general, like it's just a lot tougher. So if you think about it, well, you have someone who comes out of prison, they have this particular set of skills and uh, they have a much harder time finding a job. They don't really, they haven't really been taught that they're important to society, quite the contrary, that they're still on the outside. If anything, more on the outside they, than they were before. Well, isn't it highly likely that they're going to go back to what they were doing beforehand? Yeah. I mean, the dominoes just seem to be really pretty set against them in that way. And yet we don't want to feel like we're part of that at all. No, they make their choice. I made my choice. And, you know, one wonders, like, how many of us would be in prison had we been caught, right? You look at things like like downloading Ill illegal media. You know, I, I sometimes I'll ask my students, like, how many of you have downloaded enough illegal media to, to you know, to end up with a tremendous fine, $250,000 or something like that? You know, and it's almost all of them. I mean, how many of us like aren't in prison for like V like vehicular manslaughter just because we were lucky, you know, you know, we were speeding and angry and so on and so forth. And the other person who we almost hit applied the brakes at the right time. But if they had it, we would have hit them and we would have been in prison for killing somebody. So what's particularly interesting about this whole thing is the realization then that, you know, um, 
you could pretty easily say, well, yeah, but Nick, isn't the fact the fact that we feel that way, isn't the fact that we feel the way that we do about free will, isn't the fact that we that we feel the way that we do about criminal justice, isn't aren't all those things also things that are kind of inescapable results of like the ways we were raised and our genetics, the country we were raised in, so on and so forth. And yeah. <laughs> so in other words, like if you're sitting there going, yeah, I kind of, I'm, I'm there with Nick. Yeah, I, I see his point. Well, that's because you heard this conversation and because you've heard other things in the past and because of whatever your particular genetic predisposition is that has led to you to that particular feeling. And if you're going, no, this is completely misguided, completely wrong. Well, again, that's an inevitable result. So it seems as kind of as if no, whether or not we are even willing to accept whether or not we have free will is something that we're not actually really free to choose. Yeah. So anyways, with that, uh, I want to wish you a wonderful week.